You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Welcome, everybody, to the Seeking Excellence podcast. This is another episode of Fridays with Father, and I'm here with the deeply beloved Father Jonathan Meyer. First and foremost, Father, how are you today? I am completely available to you during these <laughs> next few moments as we talk about leadership and how to seek excellence in our lives. And availability specifically, you know, and I appreciate your availability here today, your hospitality this afternoon has been just wonderful. And you know, last time we did a recording together, you were only, I would call it maybe 40% available since you <laughs> slept on and off throughout the episode. So it's great to see that. There's the first time that I ever did a podcast or an interview and I literally felt myself falling asleep <laughs> as I was talking. It was quite the weekend. So I feel a little yeah. more energized, a little more charged, ready so to go today. If people like the last one, they're gonna love this. Oh my gosh, they're gonna be like, who was who that other priest? You're bringing the heat today. Yeah, it was great to have you awake. What I've learned is you can't give you a Budweiser before we do that. <laughs> <laughs> Worst decision ever. That apparently is the answer. Yeah. yeah. No Bud heavies before recording. Save them for after. Write that down. All right, great. So today we're going to talk about availability. And the title, you know, the kind of focus around this is that our best ability is availability. So how does that play into your life as a priest? And what's kind of your view on that and how availability plays a role in our living out a good Christian life? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking, Nathan. And I want to put this in a bigger context. Let's do it. So you and I are called to be like God, right? Uh-huh. I mean, so like as a Christian, I'm called to be another Christ. Through my baptism, I become a dwelling place, a tabernacle of the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I think when we talk about leadership, a great question to always ask ourselves first and foremost is like, what is it like to actually become like God? Mm. So I would say if I had to describe God, one of the terms I would use to describe God is radically and fully available. Like yeah. we particularly, I always like, like, kind of like to make a joke a little bit about it. And it's like, if you like made a prayer, made a sign of the cross, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. And you're like, dear Lord, I just want you hear, and you heard, beep, hello, you've reached the pearly gates of heaven. We're unavailable right now. Please leave mm -hmm. a prayer petition and we'll get back to you at our earliest convenience. <laughs> I would be like, what are you talking about, God? You're available all the time. You know, like, you can't, like... There's no time off. Yeah. yeah, there's no time off, God. You can't, like... You're outside of time. What are you taking time off for? Yes. So, I think, so, and we look at, so, as Catholics, we believe that God is fully and completely available 
in every tabernacle of the world. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the craziest things of the pandemic is that people were like, well, what do you, what do you mean? I can't go and pray in front of a tabernacle. Right. What do you mean? I can't receive our Lord and Holy communion. Like that makes no sense. And I mean, the crazy thing, like you said that like it's past tense because it's, Ah, for some so people, that, yeah, for some people, <laughs> that's still that's the present, case. Yeah. Yeah. I try to tell that to my people because we're, we're fully open here. Like we're having masses and adoration. We have perpetual adoration reopened. And like, so like our God is fully available. Mm-hmm. And if he's not fully available, we get angry. We would, right. and, we, and justified anger. Yeah. So I think then when we look at ourselves as Christians and every one of us is called to be a leader in our own way, I think you would agree with me on that statement. Absolutely. You know it then then we have to be available. And I, I truly think like the more that we are available, the more I will be like God, the more that I'll be like God, the more that I will live out my calling, whatever that might be. Right. Um, so for me as a priest, like I think availability, um, I like to look at it like in really three different ways mm-hmm. that I need to be fully available to God, fully available to others, meaning my neighbor, and then I need to also be fully available to myself and what I refer to as like as self growth. So like, am I fully available to God? Do I spend time in prayer? Am I honestly and reverently celebrating mass? Am I doing my holy hours? Am I being available to God with really, really good confessions? Am I available uh, to reading scripture, to forming myself, in the tradition of, 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 of who God is? Am I available to the saints? Am I available to the Blessed Mother? Am I available? Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. And then, am I available to you? You're my brother, right? Always. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Am I available to my people? Like, if I'm, if I'm a priest... Yeah, it's a big one. ...then my people want me to be available. I mean, like, this is one of the crises that we have in the church, right? Mm-hmm. When people feel that their priests are too busy. Right. Or we don't have enough priests. So priests can't be available because my parish no longer has a priest because they don't have enough priests. So now four parishes are sharing one priest. And now I feel like my priest isn't available for me. So if I'm in crisis or if I need counseling or if I need the sacraments, then I, 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 they're not available. Mm-hmm. So I just think that available, availability is really at, at, at the center of what it is to be a great human being, uh, a great priest, and specifically a great leader yeah absolutely i want to go back a little bit to what i corrected you on the well like not corrected you but just pointed out the fact that for a lot of people it's still the case that churches are closed and the availability of god in person you know like reaching the tabernacle or the sacraments or going to adoration and things like that has has kind of been cut off for a lot of people and i was in uh colorado last weekend i had a bachelor party out there and it was amazing to me we had guys from Catholic dudes from California, guys from Chicago, different places where churches are still shut down. And one thing that was really crazy to me coming from here in Cincinnati was I get out there and it's, it's Saturday night and I'm like, so what are we going to do for mass tomorrow? And everybody's kind of like, what do you mean? Like, we're going to watch it on TV or something when we get home, you know, like we're not going to go to mass. And I'm like, no, we're going to go like receive the Eucharist guys. <laughs> we got to look at where we can go to mass. And they're like, masses are open out here. We, did, we had no idea. And I think that one thing that's really interesting when it comes to availability as a leader, but also when you think about this in regards to what's happening during the pandemic is that people get conditioned to it and they didn't even think to look or to, and it wasn't a, a malice thing. These aren't lazy Catholic guys. They're just, 
they were so conditioned and trained just over a few months to think that, oh, we can't go receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Now we have to just watch it online. And, and I think the same thing happens when you're a leader of all different sorts. You know, if you're a priest or if you're a, a teacher or if you're a parent, whatever it might be, if you're even just your friendships, like being available with your friends, if you condition people to think that, that you're not available to them and you're not going to be open to listening to them and loving them and forgiving them, receiving them in the state that they're in, then people start to get used to that. Well, think about the radical availability of God and that people forget that that's the case. Yeah, right. So, I mean, even the situation that you're speaking of there, like people forgot the, the, that God is available through and in with his church. Right. Because they've become conditioned to that. That's become the new habit and the habits that we have form us. So like if someone has a habit of, of, of like believing that God is not available, that God is distant, that God is truly uh, estranged or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's going to affect tremendously how they see themselves, how they see God and their ability for God to actually love them. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say for somebody like, like a, obviously for, for priests, you encourage a, a holy hour every day, right? What would you say for a, a young person, a young professional or something like that? Like what's, what's availability to God look like in a, in a lay person's life? Yeah. So I like to say, okay, like, listen, an hour of your day once a week should, you should strive to make that a norm once a week, mm -hmm. spend an hour in a church, spend an hour uh, in silence on a daily basis. I like to say either 10 minutes a day, uh, spending 10 minutes in silence. Uh, I've heard some people, you know, say like 15, but I think intentional silence every day is key to having that relationship. If possible for people to try to pray the rosary, other things of those sorts. But I think if you're just going to say like, if I want to be all the more available to God, I need to fall in love with the God of availability. And that's going to happen with a relationship. So we'll start at least with 10 minutes and see where things go. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I want to talk a lot about availability to neighbor today, because I remember one thing that I think is really cool that I remember from our first time having dinner together after a Saturday night live, when I came to speak at the, the youth group here last November is you talked about a lot of the aspects of priesthood and you kind of shifted from the, I think the mindset of a lot of priests, unfortunately in America, where it was like, I have to hear confessions and I have to baptize children. And I have to do marriage prep to you said, I get to do that. I get to baptize people. I get to, your confessions and things like that. And I think for me, I had a really powerful experience just a couple months after that, where I was coming back from Texas and I was on like a two week road trip. And I'm like, I mean, I'm super exhausted, right? I've been, I've been gone for two weeks on the road, working like crazy. And I'm on this flight and I like put my headphones in. I'm ready. I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to just chill, whatever. Like I'm just really focused on what I was going to do. And the woman across the aisle from me is like very upset like clearly like crying, you know, super upset. And I remember the moment just kind of being like, I mean, God, God uses people. I'm sure you've experienced this when traveling, like <laughs> airplanes for whatever reason, or just like his matchmaking moments for when he needs good listeners and, and uh, spirit filled people to, to make an impact on others. I've had some great conversations and experiences with people evangelizing on airplanes, but this day I was like, I'm not talking to anybody, you know, like I committed to myself before I got on the plane. And so I'm there and she's crying and I'm just like, I, I obviously have to say something. Like I can't just let this woman sob next to me for two hours without speaking to her and trying to minister a little bit. And so I ended up speaking to her. We talked, of course, the, the entire flight home, you know, and she was very grateful at the end. And 
thanked me for, for just reaching out and stuff like that. And I had that same moment when I got off the plane eventually was like, I didn't have to do that. Like I got to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was awesome to be the person that was able to minister to this person and help them and to just act as Jesus to somebody in the world. But what, what kind of helped you make that shift or have you always kind of had that mindset and how do you think other people can really come about creating that in their own minds, that, that perspective shift of saying, I have to do some of this stuff. I have to serve other people to where I get to. Yeah. If I can share this, uh, this story, this friend of mine, he was really struggling in his marriage and he and his wife had two kids and he had just kind of given up. Actually, I shouldn't say kind of, he was pretty much had given up in, in, in all different ways. And he was going from work and he would act more tired than he really was. He would intentionally look at things that need to be done around the house and he would choose the easy things to do and leave the hard ones undone. And he just got to a point where he was just like, I, I need, I need out. And we started a program in our parish uh, on a Sunday. I just said, listen, I need all the men in the parish to join this, this movement that we're starting. It was a movement we met as men once a week in their daily devotions. And about three weeks into it, he just, uh, he told us his story. He gave us his testimony. He said, uh, I had gone to mass that Sunday and I had said that I'm done with my, I'm done with my that was a big truck that just went by. There's, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of country trucks driving by. It was a motorcycle. Got it. Um, so this dad makes the decision. He's just like, I, I made the decision. I was out of my marriage, and you made the invitation for men to join this movement, and so I did. And I said on that day, I will do anything I can to save my marriage. He said, I have no idea. He said, because I, I was, I'd given up, but I'd made the decision. So that first Monday, I sent flowers to my wife. I hadn't sent flowers to my wife since we were engaged. Uh, that next day, um, I wrote her a love letter. The next day, and every single day, he would do something. And he noticed that the more that he gave in those ways, he would come home from work and he wouldn't go to the recliner. He would start killing things in the to-do list. And... Um, he didn't tell his wife at all that he was doing this. He just started doing these things. And uh, he used to, at the end of the dinner, he'd ask, hey, is there anything you want me to do? Is there anything you need me to help with? Mm-hmm. And um, about two weeks into it, his wife uh, and him were driving the car and his wife leaned over and she put her hand on his thigh and he just says, listen, she said, I, listen, I have no idea like what you're doing and why you're doing this, but please don't stop. Mm. And so he came to this group of his brother peers and brother parishioners and just said, I learned that the more that I made myself available, the more that I loved my wife, the more that I found out who I truly was and who I was called to be. And for me, it's always been that great reminder that we find our true self in giving. And so when we talk about the fact of like, oh, I have to hear confessions compared to like, I get to hear, no, no, it's a, I'm making myself available. And in that availability, I find who I am, but I also help other individuals find out who they are called to be in, in, in the truest of senses. And it really is this, this meeting. Um, I always have to say that I've probably learned just as much, if not more about how to be a really good priest from looking at the the dads and the fathers in my parish, particularly dads and fathers who have 
six, seven, eight, nine kids and being like, no, that's fatherhood. Mm -hmm. Fatherhood is radical availability. And so for me to be able to be like, that dad never has a day off. Right. That dad never has a vacation. I always like to say that like Disney World. I remember you say <laughs> it's like, like a torture yeah, experience. Like, he comes home from work. He has nine kids that need to be played with, fed, showered, gotten to bed, homework. He's then exhausted. He wakes up. He does the same thing every single day. And his vacation is going to Disney World, which is literally torture for any, <laughs> for any normal, sane human being. And that's what he does until he's about 50 years old. And I look often at my life as a priest and I'm just like, dude, there's nothing in comparison to that. And so I really have, I've learned so much about availability from really, really good men who are committed to their wives, committed to their children and realize like, okay, like this is what the priesthood is supposed to be. Right. Radical availability. So like, yeah, how do we, how does, how does the priest live that out is, is always my challenge. Uh, that's awesome. And I think that story really highlights, you know, I, what I talked about earlier, where you condition other people to like the guy did with his wife, you know, so that she understands now that he's more available, but kind of how the availability started to compound in his own life too. And the decisions he made that when you start being more available to other people, it kind of just naturally happens, you know, like it just more and more, you, you just start to come upon, you don't even come upon more opportunities. You just, your eyes are open to more opportunities to be available to others. Yeah. It's, it's a disposition. So like, right. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, like change your habits, change your life. Yeah. Our, I have. Yeah. Our life changes when our habits change. Cute. And the more that we are available, the more that we form the habit of availability, the greater off that we're going to be um, in seeing it and it, and taking advantage of it and, and for our own good, but for the good of those that we are called to serve. Absolutely. And I think the, the word disposition, your attitude about it is, is so important and your word choice, I think really matters in that, you know, and I think that it's one of those things that you, you try to, it's like a lot of times when people say, I, I don't have time or I can't make it. It's like, no, don't say that. Like just say that you're choosing not to do it. Yeah. Which is a, fine. I heard a great talk by a, a, a Catholic convicted. She was an amazing uh, Catholic woman convicted, convicted in her heart. And her talk was, uh, was about uh, priority. Mm. And when we say, oh, I don't have time for that. She said, always change that statement to say, that's not a priority in my life. Right. And so she remembered like when she was in college and she'd be like, oh, I don't have time to call my grandparents. And she's like, my grandparents are not a priority. And then she would call her grandparents or there was times where she'd be like, oh, I don't have time to work out today. I don't have time to go to the med, the, the medical center and have my flu symptoms checked. And she's like, my health is not a priority. And I think when we just like radically say those things, right. it's like, it's like, wow, like really what is a priority in my life? Mm -hmm. and am I making myself available to that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's times where you'll say that and say that X isn't a priority to me and that's, it's going to be true, you know, and that's okay. But I think when you can shift from, I have to do this to I get to do that is a huge, I mean, even just changing it, changing the verbs that you use when you say that, and you can say it about a lot of things that we don't like to do, that we don't want to do. Um, but even, even something like somebody who, you know, seeking excellence, obviously we talk about the seven pillars of excellence. Uh, service is a part of that. Exercise is a part of that. Reading is a part of that. Being a lifelong learner. Praying is a part of that. And there's stuff in there, in those seven, those seven pillars that nobody's going to enjoy all of it. 
right? But sometimes you have to, you know, do some things for your health or for your mental health or for your spiritual health, whatever, for your relationships that you're not going to enjoy doing. But when you can think about the people, you know, not to be like, I think sometimes it doesn't work on, on five-year-olds the way that a lot of parents hope it would when they say, you know, there's kids starving in Africa who would love to eat the food that you eat. But I think as adults, we have the context that we can understand that there are people who are handicapped that would love to be able to go on a run, even though I hate running, you know, or there's people who are sick and suffering or something right now, you know, that would love to go work out or, you know, people who are, are blind that would love to read a book or, you know, there's, I mean, a myriad of different things that you could say, you're very blessed to have the things that you can do, but the, the, the tools available to you, the, the health, the, the mind, the body, the soul, um, the freedom in America, you know, to exercise some of these, these things that, that will help to have you reach your full potential. And too often, I think those things that actually are good for us actually do make us better. We view it as, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. Like it's this drudgery, you know, and everything's a burden. At the heart of that then as well is looking at what is, so what's a drudgery or what's the burden? So I think I like to look at it and like, do I truly see myself as a priest? Do I see myself as a father? And would a father say that about their children? Mm Mm-hmm. I would hope that a father would not see his children as being a burden and something that they have to get not done a good one, right? And accomplished. Yeah. So like do, but like in a, in a broader sense of just like, just like humanity, even like, do I make myself available at work? Do I make myself available in the office space? Do I make myself available? Like if I see you as a child of God, if I see you, Nathan, as an individual creating God's image and likeness, then you're worth my time you're worth my availability. Mm-hmm. If I see people as something less than me, or if I see, some, see, see people as an obligation, if I see people um, as something that I just need to like deal with, I don't see them as God sees them. Right. But when I see them going back to the, the fact that God is fully available because God loves us all as individuals, then I also can participate in the availability of God and I can be available to the woman on the airplane. Right. I can be available to the individual who needs to go to confession. I can be available to the person who needs an order to the sick at two o'clock in the morning. I can be available to, you know, the grieving widow um, because I recognize that they are truly children of God. And not just how you view them, but how you view yourself as well. Because obviously I think for a lot of lay people, and I don't think that it is any easier for you necessarily, but I think a lot of lay people will say, well, yeah, you're a priest. You're supposed to be spiritually available to people, but, we neglect the fact, you know, and that's why we have these three identities that we try to promote with Seeking Excellence is being a disciple, being an ambassador, being a soldier of Christ. Like an ambassador, I, I always tell people, like, what is that? Like, I think that's so powerful. That one, ever since I've read St. Paul write, you are an ambassador for Christ, God making his appeal to you through us. What does that mean? That means that you were de- you're literally deployed all the time, right, out in this world that we do not belong to, amongst people who need saved, who need to hear the message. And like, you're, you're always meant to be available. You know, like you were the representative of Christ on that airplane, you know, like that, there's a reason why that she's next to me. and It's not for my sake. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, I have to view her as a, a beloved child of God, but also understand what am I here for, but to serve, you know, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then I look at my own life and I want to say, no, this is my time. Yeah. This is my body. This is my, whatever, you know, this is my time for myself. Like I'm not called to do this. And I think the, the one of the saddest things in that, and what I could have done on the airplane, and I've done before many times, so it's not like I'm undefeated in this, but what I could have mistaken, the lie I could have bought on that airplane is to say, if I don't take this time right now to rest in myself, you know, like God's not going to give me this time back, 
you know, so I'm tired and exhausted or whatever. I don't want to spend this time with this woman who's crying. But I think that a lot of times we, we neglect or underestimate the fact that God rewards us for those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? He can restore and refresh your soul and your mind and your body in ways that are supernatural, you know? And like we, we underestimate and we limit and we put a cap on God and the work that he's able to do in our lives because we don't have faith like that often enough. So what are some ways that you have in your own life to help you remain available or to, to help you keep yourself available to others? What are things that you do, tricks that you have uh, to make that happen in your own life? Yeah. So I think, I think one of the first things that we have to do is kind of prepare ourselves for that is maintaining that prayer life, you know, and, and the more that I'm prayed up, the more that I'm in, in a state of grace, the more that I'm growing in virtue and striving in that, the more aware I am of the needs of other people around me. And I'm willing to, to put myself at their service, you know, because I feel like I'm, I'm filled with that grace and staying in scripture, I think is really important as well. Cause if I'm not staying aware of the fact that I'm ambassador of Christ and, and just being more and more aware of what it is that, that Jesus is calling me to in my life and like why he put me here. I think the more that I separate myself from that, the more that I lose my true identity um, and who I am as a son of God, as an ambassador, soldier of Christ, the easier it is to start to get selfish with my time, selfish with my, um, my gifts, whatever it might be to other people. And obviously I think you have to have boundaries, right? There's gotta be some type of limit where you're not just completely yeah. all the time, hundred percent available to yep. everybody always, cause we're not God and we can't sustain that forever. But I think you have to discern, if you're going to err on one side, I think it's great to err on the side of service to others, you know, at the expense of yourself, where most of the world is erring on the side of, of self-preservation. And we're called to lay our lives down for other people, I think. And, and so I think that that's, I, over, over my life, I've just, you start to see the people, you know, when you have a parent or you have, because um, my dad, he worked very long hours, so he was not super available when he got home. He was very tired. Um, when you have a parent or you have a leader or you have, friends who are unavailable or friends who let you down and things like that. I think you can either make let allow that to make you bitter and become that same person, or you can say, you know, God help me to change and not be like that. And the Holy spirit is, I mean, outstanding at opening your eyes to the opportunities to serve people. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's the littlest thing. Like sometimes it's wearing a crucifix mm -hmm. or wearing a cross or having a crucifix or a cross on your backpack or your keychain or your briefcase. And, um, Mentioning that you went to mass this past weekend. And sometimes that can you know? be the availability, which allows you're making yourself available in that public sense, which then allows someone to ask a question right. or someone to know that you're someone that they could even, that would be available to them. Right. Um, those can be like, I think like really, really, that can be a really simple way to make yourself available as a witness and as a servant. To Absolutely. Others, uh, a physical manifestation of the faith in a public way. Yeah. Which is powerful especially it gets more and more powerful. And it, it, I think it takes more, more simple things uh, nowadays to stand out in regards to faith, but especially in the public sector. But uh, let's talk a little bit about availability to self. So can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? And what you mean? Yeah. So I think one of the great characters of a, of a leader is someone who is coachable, someone who wants to grow in who they are, which means that we need to be available to the best things in life uh, that's gonna bring that about. So am I a continuous learner? Am I available? Do I make myself available to best practices? Do I make myself available to literature or to audiobooks, whatever it might be, to constantly be like pushing myself to, to be all that God can be, to, to, to be all that God wants me to be? Um, am I open and available 
when I go to confession. So like when I go to confession, am I literally like listening, not just to get my sins forgiven, but also for the counsel and advice that I would get from the priest. Uh, if you're blessed to have a spiritual director, do I, am I really vulnerable and honest to my spirit with my spiritual director? And am I also like taking what he or she says like to heart and like really allowing that to transform? Um, am I, do I have an accountability partner? I'm currently doing Exodus 90. Uh, yes, you are. And uh, so I, every single day you have to meet up or talk with your anchor. So I've been chatting with my anchor, who's a, a good priest friend of mine. And every day, like we try to challenge and encourage each other uh, in those ways and open to criticism. When someone criticizes you at work or suggests something like, are you open to that? Or is there this closed offness of like, I'm not gonna be available. Uh, I mean, just going to, if someone critiques me, I'm just going to be resentful and frustrated. Mm -hmm. But instead of being like, no, I'm going to be open to this. Like, bring it on. I'm available to self-growth. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, <laughs> hugely powerful. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, neglect that, that need in their life to be open, especially I think being available to criticism and, you know, whether it be constructive or not, but taking that into account and taking the feedback from other people in the prayer. So you go back to the 10 minutes. So I think like, so all of us, and if you're listening to this, hopefully that's the case. Like when someone criticizes you, someone you're working on a project or even, I don't care, criticizes anything about you, a character trait might criticizes your haircut. I don't know what it might be, <laughs> but when we sense that, that criticism and then we sense that automatic like buildup of like, okay, someone just attacked me. I'm either going to go into the defense mode or the depression mode. Like those are the great things to like the 10 minutes of silence. Like Lord, yeah, take in. I am, I'm not facing this right now. Mm -hmm. And what's really behind it? And is there truth here that I need to, um, yeah. So like uh, sometimes I preach homilies and uh, you do preach homilies. I do preach homilies. I sometimes. watched one today. Did you? Yeah. Well, I listened to one today. Sometimes Witness you'll hear, you know, 20 people after mass will tell you that your homily was very inspiring and very helpful. And then there's the one person who comes up to, comes up to you after mass and tells you that you very possibly are possessed by a demon. And it was the worst <laughs> homily you've ever heard in your whole entire and life. And that's the only one you remember. And it's the only one you remember. Yeah. And uh, it's good though, to like take that to prayer. Like, what did I say? Right. Did I, did I say something that could have been misunderstood? Did I say something that was lacking charity? Um, something I learned real early in my priesthood. Um, I remember I preached a homily and I, uh, there was a woman, she didn't write to me. She wrote to my pastor. I was a, an associate at a parish and she wrote to my pastor saying that I had said some really horrible, horrible things. And I was a terrible priest. And, um, she walked out of the mass because she was so offended by my homily. Wow. And so, so you've been laying the heat since, <laughs> since day one, this has been 17 years. <laughs> and that was my second, my third year of priesthood. So maybe wow. just like 14 years, 14 years. Yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> my pastor forwarded the email on to me and said, I think you should know about this. Like that was the, the tagline at the top of the email. And um, so I just got on the phone and I called this woman like immediately. And I didn't get defensive. I just said, I have no idea what you heard, but like somehow what you heard is not what I intended. And I would love to meet with you. Wow. And that's, been my, available. 
that's been my policy ever since. Whenever I hear that someone is upset or misunderstands a homily or a message or a post, I always say, I would love to meet with you. And I have found every single time that those are some of the most powerful encounters mm. where someone genuinely feels that they have been hurt. They genuinely feel that they have been betrayed or misunderstood or that, and to just sit with them and to re-explain or to put the teaching in a different way or a different context. And like majority of those conversations end in tears and it's really, really powerful. And so I've just, yeah, just another example there of like, when you're in a situation and there's conflict, there's tension of like, what is your best ability? Right. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to hide behind an email. I'm not going to hide behind a text. No, I'm a human being. Like I want to meet with you. Like, please meet with me. It's awesome. And uh, yeah. And, th- and there's times like where I'll reach out to the person, like they're completely inflammatory. They're really, really angry. I'm like, I, I, I would love to meet with you. Like I will, I'll, and there are times where like that person refuses to be available yeah. and they, they don't want it. They wanted to be able to say what they wanted to say with no, with no response on my part. Right. And uh, that can be hurtful. But my, I, I think if I'm going to say that I'm a Christian, I need to be like Christ. If I'm going to say that I'm like God, the father, I got to be like Christ, which means I need to be available. That's right. Yeah, I think especially in today's climate, you know, because one of the questions I get, especially when it comes around the racial stuff and, and having difficult conversations with family members or friends, you know, is a lot of times I tell people just being willing to listen to others, you know, and have those hard conversations and help them to navigate. Because a lot of times people aren't as, just like just like your experience, right? Like people aren't as hard set, even when they're angry, upset, and they seem really stuck in what they believe. A lot of times they're not as hard, like stuck in that spot as they are. Or if they are stuck in a spot and it's a negative spot, they don't want to be there. Yeah. They just don't know how to navigate their way out of it. Yeah. And so your availability to listen, to love, and to help lead and guide them through that, that processing of these emotions and this experience is really, really helpful for people. But we have to be willing to do that. And you have to be willing to have some hard conversations and be willing to get called a demon to your face, which is tough. Is that personal experience? Is somebody telling you that you think you're possessed after a homily? <laughs> I've heard some things over the past 17 years that would blow <laughs> your mind. Blow your mind. Was feedback pretty positive this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> that did not see. That was not convicting. That was a, a very hesitant yes. I've received a few comments. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for making yourself available today. I... It's my best ability if I want to be like God. That's right. You're always, I, I'm always grateful for your availability to me, especially via email. Your favorite way to communicate. Well, actually, like, can we just t- do a tag on here about email? Let's. <laughs> so this is one of my frustrations with like, with leaders. Yeah. It is 2020. That's true. Year of our Lord. Everyone knows that every email you get, you see for, for 98%, it is on your hip in your phone. That's true. Not for you. Uh, I don't, yes, correct. I have a flip phone, but, <laughs> I, it, it, but it, it amazes me, people that don't answer emails. 
people that don't respond when people ask them questions, when people, and as a leader, and I, and I know this for a fact of like, just like being in our Catholic church and speaking to people in parishes who have been very, very hurt by priests who do not respond to emails. It's, it's, it's tragic when it really comes down to it because that's their father and they've asked their father a question and maybe just about like the liturgy and maybe about something in the parish. But like, you didn't answer your child. Like, right. that's horrible. But the same is true for like, for any relationship. If you don't respond to people via email or via text, or like, then let everyone know that you don't have that. Please tell everyone, never send me an email. I am completely unavailable on email or, or like, cause it, it, it's really painful. I think it's, I think it's absolutely irresponsible for someone to not respond to every email they get within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. If there's not a response saying I'm gone on a retreat or I'm gone at a workshop, I will not be like, it's 2020. Right. Your best ability is availability. And if you're not responding, and people know that you're unavailable, and that means that you're not like God. So if you're a priest that doesn't respond to emails, if you're a leader who doesn't respond to email, you're you're not available. Right. And I think one thing with that is is something like that, like ignoring somebody's emails, sends like those things send messages, right? Sometimes your inaction sends messages oh, as well. It's 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 hurtful. You don't get to choose how people respond to it. And I think that's what people do is they try to rationalize it in their own mind and say, well, this, that's not offensive. You know, it's not unloving. Like you shouldn't feel that way. And it's like, well, brother, they do. <laughs> you know, no, they do very much so. They're hurt really terribly. Hurt. It, yeah. I, I've, I've just, I've, I've seen it again and, and again and again. But I've also seen that like, if you respond all the time, like it's so much easier. <laughs> right. Yep. And just get in the habit of it. I have all this, I have this huge thing about the cycle. If you go through your inbox and look at the emails you don't respond to behind every single one of them is conflict. Mm -hmm. And but the, if you don't answer them all every time you open your inbox, you beat yourself up psychologically because you, you still have. Yeah. I'm a failure. I'm dumb. I haven't responded to this. Oh my gosh, this person still hates me. And it's all lies. And it's 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 not real. It's not real at all. So I think it's is really key to to be responsive and to be fully available in those ways. It's huge. Yeah. Praise God. Well, I love getting your emails. I always think they're. I don't know if quirky is the right word. They're interesting. <laughs> just, My emails are kind of like text. The email, yeah. yeah. That's where your dad really shines through. Your, your dadship really comes through and you send the entire message of the email and the subject line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a personal favorite of mine. Blank, blank body, all, all the whole message in the subject line. But let me line. ask you a question. Has there ever been a time where you didn't know what I wanted? <laughs> immediately. I always immediately know what you want. So effective communication. Are you still coming yeah. on September 6th in the subject line? <laughs> Nothing in the body. <laughs> My signature is in the body. It's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. No, you're a heck of a communicator in, in written form. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, praise God. Well, thank you for today. Thanks for your availability and talking about this. It's, we, our, it's our best ability. It's our best ability. And we just encourage people to evaluate how available they're being to God, to neighbors, and to themselves and how much they're seeking to grow themselves each and every day. So thank you, Father Meyer. Any, any, last, any last thoughts? No, I just want to encourage people to be available. It's your best ability. Be like God, be available, change the world. Be the difference. Boom. That's great. <laughs>